passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's, there's zero restriction on anybody working anywhere except for the companies who won't let these fellas work for them. So that's pretty simple. This is not a, anything that Big Bad Wolf coming in to try and take away everything for everybody. This is to give these fellas who we think are the best at, at some money in a pocket so they can be full-time masters. Twenty-four of the British Wrestling Experience on PostWrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby, and joining me as always is Richard Benson. And this week we have a special guest from Fighting Spirit Magazine, Will Cooling. Will, thanks for uh, joining me and Benno this week. No, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. Well, uh, we've got lots of big news. I mean, tons of stuff's come out in the last couple of days concerning NXT UK. I mean, so we might as well get right into it and. Um, on Monday of this week, WrestleTalk published an article by a friend of the show, James Dixon, entitled British Wrestling in Turmoil. I mean, the article noted that there had been uh, some significant changes to the contracts for uh, for European wrestlers working for NXT UK, increasing their annual salary, and also the small matter that they'd no longer be able to work for any other promotion other than the promotion's partner with WWE. So that includes Progress, ICW, WXW in Germany, and then possibly Fight Club Pro Attack, Future Shock, and OTT in Ireland. And uh, this um, it sort of comes from the idea that fans wouldn't really pay to see UK wrestlers on NXT UK shows when they can see them at various other promotions for less money. And uh, the article also went on to say that the wrestlers would be allowed to finish their upcoming remaining dates with uh, the non-partner companies. And and this was uh, swiftly followed by an article by Mike Johnson from PW Insider stating that the majority of wrestlers under an NXT UK contract would only be able to perform for uh, partner companies in a dark match capacity and the matches wouldn't be available on VOD or other media. And uh, he quickly followed that up with uh, another report from the same day stating that Walter had signed uh, a deal with... NXT UK, and um, I mean, obviously there's been no, no official word from WWE about this, but uh, Tidal Wrestling, who are based in Leeds in, in Yorkshire, posted on the social media that El Ligero would be making his final appearance for them at the end of the year, and, and then also Zaya Brookside was pulled from an event by Wrestlegate, a promotion running its first event next year, and uh, and also, subsequently to that, Jordan Devlin tweeted out to say that he'd also be appearing at OTT, and I mean, Tons to digest here. Obviously, that was a load of information I've thrown out there and lots of talking points. But uh, 
Before we get into the weeds on this, I mean, Will, what did you make of this news when it first dropped on Monday? Uh, apocalypse delayed is still the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, um, I remember when the WWE UK stuff started, I did an article for Fight Sphere magazine. But are you doing a drinking game with Plugs Fight Sphere magazine? That's the first one. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, back in 2017, and I said, look, you know, this will lead to a boom period in the interim, but at some point, you'll start to get things yanked away. And um, so I wasn't surprised. Um, I actually did a, a podcast with Benno, actually, a, a, my own podcast, It Could Be Wrestling, where I said, the, the danger you have with WWE UK is it might become a bit of bit like Ring of Honor, in the sense of you have a top tier of guys who are really good and people like them but they have better matches away from the promotion because there's a more varied range of opponents. And then you just get a lot of people, people aren't that, that interested in. And that's kind of what seems to be the reaction that WWE's struck to them not doing well with their taping uh, attendances, that we can't sell shows based on British Strong Style going up against Coffees and Wolfgang not because people aren't interested in the Coffees and Wolfgang, but because British Strong Style are wrestling much more interesting wrestlers across the country. So we need to stop that. That's the problem. Beto, I mean, um, the main thing that jumps out to me from this article is the wrestlers can only appear for the house and not VOD. I mean, it's something that WWE seemingly enforced when it first started WWE UK. I mean, I played a clip at the start of William Regal saying there would be no restrictions on talent. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of tongue-in-cheek. I mean, that was two years ago now. But I, I seem to remember there were a few shows that had Pete Dunne matches on that uh, weren't on the VOD, but that, that all seemed to go away. And then, of course, we had Red Pro and Defiant weren't allowed to use WWE talent for the past year or so. But that seems to be the most interesting thing coming out of this, that uh, even partner promotions such as Progress won't be you know, won't be allowed to showcase these guys on the VOD seems to be a quite an odd sort of thing to bring mm. in, doesn't it? I don't buy it, if I'm honest. I mean, that's, I mean, it's coming from PW Insider and I trust Mike Johnson, but it just feels like there's got to be wires crossed there because that's the, you're right, that's the biggest thing that struck out to me that, that well, it, it's essentially saying, I think that, like you said, the promotions listed progress, ICW, OTT, even Future Shock there. I could buy it for OTT and Future Shock, but uh, you know, progress and ICW, especially progress. I mean, imagine progress trying to put one of their shows on VOD and not being able to use the NXT UK guys on it because you wouldn't have much left. Now, the tinfoil hat person in me would say, you know, the when we reviewed the Progress Manchester show two weeks ago and we talked about how there was a, a big influx uh, of new talent on that show, could that be a reason why? But I've kind of got yeah, these two competing ideas in my head because I just, I just, while I could imagine it maybe happening, maybe it'd be easier to book. You know, let's say they carry on running progress with just the guys they don't use on NXT UK and have a set of storylines for them, and then a set of storylines for you know the guys on NXT UK because as we know the the three progress guys are very much involved in NXT UK and are very much involved in progress. So it must be hard to do different stories for the same guys. And there is a lot of crossover, but there's just so much baggage there. Like I say, you know, the people work in both places, the progress champions being, you know, NXT UK guys. I, I think we're reading between the lines on this. The, the conclusion I've came, kind of came to is I think it's, it's true, but true in the sense that 
you know, it was true two years ago when these rumors started coming out and there were weird exceptions in gray areas. I remember Fight Club Pro putting their VODs up, but not actually advertising who was on the VOD at one point. That was kind of a weird thing that we got. But I think that it's true. I think it'll happen. I think Future Shock and OTT will be mostly affected. But I think Progress and ICW, yeah, they're not going to be able to show the NXT UK guys on their own VOD. But if they end up on the network and rumors are that WWE are looking at doing a tiered system, it's likely to kick off early next year on that tiered system. You'd imagine those Progress and ICW shows can go there. So, you know, that kind of counteracts that rule. And they, they can, in my mind, carry on using these guys and maybe... Until then, we're going to continue to be in this weird grey area that we've been in and out of over the last two years since those original regal comments. Because I, I just thought that maybe what Peter inside got confused about is obviously there's this talk of WWE didn't want um, their UK guys to go against major league opposition, so they don't yeah. want them to go against New Japan, against. Um, against uh, Ring of Honor, against, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They don't want that to happen anymore. And I just wonder whether what it is, is is that if you want to use WWE UK guys against non-Major League talent, mm. so if, if you say you want to book Pete Dunne against a British guy who is not affiliated, say, say Pete Dunne versus Chris Brooks, that can't go in a VOD anymore. Because that, that could be plausible. That, and that goes back to the type of thing you are having with a lot of the indies at the beginning of 2017, where you could book Pete Dunne, but you had to turn off your VOD mm. if you were having him against a non-WWE UK guy. And that seems something that could actually happen. Mm. I think it depends on the guy as well, because I think I would imagine Pete Dunne's on a very different contract than Joseph Connors or you know Tyson T-Bone. And I wonder whether that affects it as well, like the different contracts that they've got there, what they can actually do with yeah with the guys and who will have to black out and, and who won't um but yeah it's just it's so hard to, to kind of yeah figure out uh, exactly how how that would even work the one thing i want to say is this one thing i do think to be making a mistake with is is pushing all their guys into a few small partner promotions and not a mistake as it's wrong and it's bad for the scene or anything like that i just think it's wrong for them and i think they're not learning the lesson of why jordan devlin is so much hotter now than he was, um, say, 18 months ago. Because mm. the thing with Jordan Devlin is, is because he wasn't being booked much by any of the major British promotions, even even Fight Club Pro, he had the most dates until later this year, were mainly using him in, in, the, in the scramble matches. He was in OTT, he was being pushed as their star, he was getting all these wins over name guys, and he developed a buzz. And so now... Come NXT TakeOver, you take Devlin and you put him against one of the guys who's been doing stuff in England, such as Travis Banks. And that's that feels like almost like an interpromotional match. It feels like, you know, the ace of OTT against this guy and Travis, who's a former Progress champion, former Fight Club Pro champion. Um, and that's actually the type of thing they should have more of you know they, they they actually should be trying to get it where more than 75 percent of the progress roster is WWE uk maybe half maybe even less than half is WWE uk and you have WWE uk guys spread all across the scene across different promotions depending on the level of the talent bigger or smaller promotions but that promotion is putting all their effort into making those guys 
their stars. And so then WWE UK becomes, okay, here are the stars from all across the UK in one place. And that's one of the reasons why they're, they're, you know, we'll talk about what's going on in TakeOver later, but that's one of the reasons why they've ended up with two, uh, with like Progress versus ICW matches, because actually a lot of their talent, other than the ICW guys, we've seen all those matches in Progress. You know, how many times have we seen Ginny versus Minnie McKenzie or, you know, Grizzled Union Veterans versus Mushas Mountain or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I really think they're not thinking through what's best for them. The more you've pushed all their guys into these partner promotions, the more you force the partner promotions to only book them against each other, the more played out the matches will seem on WWE UK. I mean, obviously, this is great for the wrestlers. I mean, it's great to see them getting a bigger wage and the hard work's paying off if their goal was to sign for WWE. But, I mean, before we get into the uh, non-affiliated uh, promotions, obviously, we speculated that Fight Club Pro, obviously being um, owned by Trent Seven, among others, will be included in the uh, Friends of WWE promotions and then possibly OTT. And then uh, Future Shock Wrestling seemed to be uh, someone thrown in there by PW Insider, maybe because of uh, some of the connections they've got behind the scenes there. But, um, I mean, Benno, how can you see this affecting the uh, the sort of like, quote-unquote, Friends of WWE uh, promotions in the UK? It's difficult to say, really. I mean, we've started to see... I mean, there was that report earlier in the week, wasn't there, with Fight Club Pro, the... They're off to Japan. Ollie's going. Um, initially, they had British Strong Style, Travis Banks, Miller McKenzie in the advertising. Now they don't. Travis Banks on Twitter today responded to a fan and me uh, talking about it and basically said that, well, yeah, um, I'm very, in not so many words, he pretty much said, I'm disappointed I'm not going to be going to the Japan anymore. So that's an effect. Um, yeah, I think it's difficult. I think in some ways they'll benefit. I think, you know, you mentioned Future Shock Wrestling there as a, Probably the smallest example of that list of companies, they benefit and they have benefited over the last two years from using NXT UK UK guys, being able to use them on their own VOD as well, which was an exception we didn't expect earlier on to happen for them. Um, and also, you know, that they, they, they kind of had that in a good way, but in a bad way. A, a few months ago, they had an NXT UK title match that got pulled at the last minute under very weird circumstances as well. So I think that kind of sums up what the your places if you are you know a, a related company and you are involved you're going to be given some benefits of being able to use these guys that other companies can't and even if it is on a you know a live event basis like evolve i've had in the past in the us uh, you know evolve has said before it, it helps their attendance when they have nxt proper guys there and it will probably help the attendance of a company like future shock to have those kind of guys there but yeah, it just really depends on, on what form it takes. I mean, OTT is a big one. They keep getting mentioned, and I, I don't... It just doesn't fit, does it? I mean, why why would OTT be part of this list, other than, I suppose, it's the Jordan Devlin-Finn Balor connection. They've got connections to New Japan as well, and I want a big change, you know, to answer your question for them could be, does that have to change? Do they, are they not... Are they going to have to stop using the New Japan guys that they use, or maybe they just have to keep the NXT UK talent they use, particularly Jordan Devlin away from that New Japan talent. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of problems for the companies who aren't involved and not being able to use certain talent that they'd want to. But, yeah, it's not exactly rosy either if you're a, a company that is on the uh, the good books of the WWE. It's an interesting uh, difference in mentalities because you compare that to uh, New Japan and they've got 
No, Zack Sabre uh, Jr. is doing the Dome on the 4th, and he's advertised for FPR on the 6th against Pac, mm. um, which, you know, physically is quite a challenge yeah. to get back from Japan to, to London in time to do that match. And, um, and you know, to, to, to be fair, you can understand the WWE. They, they want these guys around to do their press. They don't, they don't want to get, get injured. But mm. I think for this one, you do kind of feel for the guys because obviously that was kind of a bucket list type presentation uh, for the for the likes of British Strong Style and Travis, and they, um, they're not able to go through with it. One thing I think the, the key thing with OTT is, is if they can't use New Japan, that's probably the worst bit of news for Rev Pro because you look at a lot of the, one of the reasons why we've had the likes of Ishii and Kushida and Suzuki coming over to the UK so much this year is that Rev Pro has been able to split the costs with OTT um, because, you know, they do the Friday show in your call and then they go over to Ireland to do a show and then they go back and it means the costs of flights and visas can be shared between the two promotions. If OTT are kind of given a choice of, okay, either you lose Walter and Devlin or you end, or you stop using New Japan talent, they're going to, they're probably going to have to, no, you'd have to go with keeping Devlin and Walter, particularly when you think about getting people like British Strong Style back on a more regular basis as well. And then if RevPro's left as the only major promotion that's bringing in New Japan guys, that means either their margin on the your call shows becomes much tighter or they're going to start doing their own double headers so they can spread the costs cost over two shows. Well, either that or they uh, get into bed with what culture slash defiant again, because I know they shared some talent with those uh, mm. in years gone by, didn't they? Especially for those World Cup mm. things last year. So um, do you think, um, I know this might sound really daft, do you think it's a case of WWE's like, well, Ireland's a separate country to the UK, so <laughs> they can do what they want over there? It does seem that this year they've been able to do what they want and use who they want. My conspiracy well, theory on that is just who else would you partner up with in Ireland? Do, you know, it, uh, RevPro have clearly turned down the WWE overtures that they got at the start of last year. OTT seem to be in that same boat, but still have kind of one foot in. And I wonder if WWE are willing to be more patient with OTT, because if they did want to set up an NXT island, who else would they really partner with? Yeah. Um, so maybe they haven't spat the dummy out like they appear to have uh, with RevPro for, for maybe some of those reasons. Benedict was on my mouth. It's, it's, it's that thing of, you know, because uh, Great British Wrestling was a house divided, WWE could go in and just pick and choose, mm. and, and they couldn't do that with Ireland. I actually think if ICW had played the cards better, they'd have, been able, they'd have been in that same spot as well because, you know, Progress is, is an English promotion, and there is, you no know, there is Discovery, I think, up in Scotland and Edinburgh, but ICW really is the, the biggest Scottish promotion, particularly when they did the deal mm. i'm sure they could have dri- driven a harder bargain with wwe but then again icw was always more of a wwe it made more use of wwe superstars than like of progress and rev pro so it's neither here nor there for them so we've talked about the uh people who have got a partnership with uh wwe <laughs> How do you, i mean obviously there's a there's, you know you can't throw a stone without hitting a uk wrestling promotion they're everywhere now i mean you could do sort of like five shows a week if you wanted to travel up and down the country and obviously El Liguero has been uh, taking full advantage of that doing obviously he's famous for doing these uh you know double triple shots at the weekend and um 
I mean, in terms of sort of like uh, some of the smaller promotions who might have uh, enjoyed using people like Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate and obviously advertising the fact that they're uh, NXT UK guys. I mean, Will, how do you think, um, obviously there's a huge talent pool in the UK and there's plenty of guys ready to step up, but there's not necessarily guys that are uh, ready to headline just yet. Well, it's an interesting one because, I mean, British Strong Style really haven't been doing anything outside of Fight Club Pro Attack and Progress since since like April May. Um, um, they've really pulled back on a non core date. And you look out sort of like say um, so smaller indie near me is Shropshire Wrestling Alliance, and yeah, they'll they'll get people like Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis, but they're not their headliners. They're just something that's kind of put on to spice up the card. It, no, it's actually people. I think their big feud is um, Luke Basham versus Ash Draven. At, and so like they've got their own guys that they're pushing and they're making a big emphasis on. So I think a lot of the well-run smaller promotions will be fine because it's almost like it's a mutual disarmament none of these smaller promotions can now go and get WWE UK guys. And so everybody can just calm down and just keep appealing to their local fan base, the local wrestlers with, with a kind of a smaller operating budget. The questions will become one, some of the newer promotions that are being launched that kind of hope to use a lot of these big name acts. Mm. How will they survive? So, you know, you, you know, you're looking at people like, you know, and the new WrestleGate promotion, you know, that had planned, they clearly had planned to make a big, big thing about Jordan Devlin and Millie McKenzie. Um, but also what happens when you get the next wave of signings? So like, you know, say if you took people like Trevay and Aussie Open and um, off the board, you know, there's only so much depth. There's probably enough depth now, but if you go too much further, what happens then? Mm. This has been my problem because... I think I've seen a lot of people react to this news and talk, say that, you know, well, you know, we can we can fill it. We've got the talent and we do. We've got a lot of talent. But when you see people's lists of, you know, who's going to step up and it includes people, includes people like body guy Roy Johnson and, and people like that. Who I mean, it's yes, there's a deep level of talent in the UK, but I think the problem these smaller companies are going to have. And I think RevPro is the perfect example of the problem companies might have because you can say, well, the talent's going to rise to the top. But it's that elite level talent. It's the headliners that I think are going to be missing on that higher level. It's, you know, you can you can say again, the talent will rise. But RevPro have been trying to establish since they got the uh, NXT UK guys pulled ahead of time from them. They've been trying to establish Chris Ridgway, El Fantasmo, David Starr. People who are getting over in RevPro, but they're still not people who could headline a RevPro show, um, at least on their own. I know David Starr headlined against Ishii, but that was a bit of a one-off. Uh, I think, I mean, personally, I think the, the biggest challenge the companies maybe on that higher level are going to have is, okay, yeah, you, there is a, there's a lot of in-ring talent and we can still put on great matches and we will have to rehab. And the companies with, you know, the better identities and the people, you know, the companies that bring people in based on maybe the company rather than individuals are, are going to fare best. But yeah, I think they're going to have problems. Well, you know, who are the, who are the next generation of headliners? And while there's a lot of, you know, upper guys, a lot of guys I like, I do struggle to, to pick out names um, who would, you know, replace a Pete Dunne, who would replace the biggest one 
Walter, who seems to be headlining absolutely everywhere. Um, that's kind of my big question coming from that. But I think, again, it goes back to the point is I think, I mean, this is one of the things where I think we almost have to be a bit bit careful because, like, if there had never been any WWE UK, Pete Dunne would not be wrestling the UK by now. Mm. He would have got he would have gotten a, a foreign deal somewhere. Like either he, he'd be in NXT proper, or he'd be in Ring of Honor. Um, if he hadn't I, signed I, with I, NXT UK, would he be as over as he is? That's a question. That's a counterpoint with him. I mean, a, a lot of his progress points push came as a part of that. You know that WWE contract situation, didn't it? No, absolutely. But I'm just saying is like no, where he was, where his ambitions and where mm. he wanted to go. You know, he was going to be in someone like Marty. I you know you could easily see Pete being somebody who ended up moving to the States. And so I think you you have on one side, you have your big stars who were probably had their eye on kind of making a name overseas and are leaving. But I still doing dates in WWE UK. And then you have everybody else. And I think that's that's a bit I'm worried about. Like someone like, like, you know, like we're living in a world where Marty Scroll hasn't done any dates for any UK promotion this year. Mm. Um, you know, the only dates in the UK he's done have been with Ring of Honor. Um, you know, when you look at Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre, their schedules in terms of WWE uh, UK dates has massively reduced. I know with Ospreay, it's partly due to injury, but they, they really have paired back on their dates. Um, but it's that thing of if WWE just go and spitefully hoover up that kind of next wave of talent mm-hmm. so again so again like someone like trevay or chuck mambo mm-hmm. who just making their way because i saw like chuck mambo you know he does you know chuck mambo and trevay you know they do headline for, for someone like riptide um it's if they go go start signing those people up who they don't really want they just want to stop people having them um that's when we get we have to get concerned um but you actually look at that wwe roster at the moment it's kind of weird because a lot of it is, you know, obviously they've got some of the best guys on the scene. They've also got a lot of dross that doesn't mean anything on the scene. It's it's really, and like, that's kind of like, you know, arguably that's smart pro wrestling. You, know, you have some guys who are really good, some guys who are not, not great. And you just make sure the good guys beat the bad guys. But it's if they start just hoovering up everybody who could draw, that would be an issue. But again, I think, you know, at the end of the day, this scene wasn't created by WWE. You know, it was created by a lot of guys just being really, you know, just wanting somewhere to work. You know, like places like Attack and Fight Club Pro, founded by wrestlers who want to find somewhere to work. And you have to think that the infrastructure's there, that you get another generation through, another generation through that wants to do the same thing. And so this is where, like, the thing I'm most concerned about, if you start getting something like a performance center that destroys all the wrestling schools in the country, that would be the thing that would really hurt. Like, if, you, if WWE says for a performance center and they're basically just hoovering up all the trainers and all the, all the wannabe wrestlers, and so instead of having, like, all these promotions all over the place that are kind of adjacent to a wrestling school, that, that goes. That's when you're really starting to pull up the grassroots. Well, I mean, um, we've not really mentioned it yet. I mean, Benno mentioned it briefly then, but uh, Walter leaving. I mean, he's one one of the wrestlers of the year in 2018, isn't he? Collecting belts wherever he goes. I mean, this is going to be a huge blow to the likes of Defiant and Red Pro, Benno. Yeah, I think it is. I think he's such a he's such a staple of indie wrestling this year. He's the he's absolutely 
the wrestler of the year, isn't he, for, for, for 2018, giving away spoilers, but he's going to be my choice. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he's a big miss, really, because I kind of think with Walter, I think we, I don't know, fans of, of his style, myself included, might have hoped New Japan would be the answer. I know Dave Meltzer talked about uh, on Observer Radio this week that the, the wear offers there, or at least feelers from New Japan for Walter, so it's a bit sad he's not gone in that direction, but He's a curious case. He seems to be someone who wants to stay in Germany. Um, he's happy to travel to the UK. He's happy to, happy to travel every now and then. So it seems that, obviously, with the WXW relationship as well, uh, an NXT UK contract absolutely fits him. Um, and, yeah, he's gone for it. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be... I mean, it's cold comfort that, yeah, he's the progress champion and dependent on, you know, those weird streaming rules. I imagine we'll still continue to get to see him in progress. He's got stories to wrap up in in OTT with Jordan Devlin, and Jordan Devlin did tweet earlier in the week that he was sticking around in OTT specifically. So you know, hopefully there we can we can get a you know proper end to that story. But yeah, he's kind of the the person you turn to to find. Have been booking him a lot lately, and he pulled from from one of their book their bookings a few weeks ago to do Rev Pro instead. Rev Pro had been booking him but it did feel like he'd been slotted, as we talked about two weeks ago, uh, a little bit lower on the card. Um, like he wasn't the the great hope that maybe RevPro were help, hoping for going in. But yeah, he's the big one and it ties to what, kind of what Will just said there. I mean, there's a lot of the NXT UK roster. There's a lot of dudes in that roster who, if I, if if I want to be blunt, I'm sick of seeing them anyway. So it doesn't bother me so much that they're going to NXT UK where, you know, the, 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 they're in that product now and they're not uh, in all the other places that I watch. Um, it's a lot of guys that maybe, yeah, I don't particularly want to see the, the lower end guys, but Walter's the one along with British Strong Style that sticks out that I think is really, really sorely going to miss be missed from the Indies. And I think, yeah, he's going to be a real big loss going into 2019. We always, we always back Phil. But yeah, he's one that's going to be yeah, it's going to be big boots to fill and, and big title belts that are going to have to go elsewhere. I think the one thing with Walter is so first of all, now now we know if we I think we all suspected when it happened, but now we know why he lost to Kojima. And I think that <laughs> that, that whole Rev Pro makes it, it easier kind to of, take. It, it kind of always had a feeling of this. No, he's he's on his gap here before he goes to university. <laughs> um, yeah. It's we'll like you stuff. know. You know, I'm I'm going to wrestle all these great guys. I'm going to get out of the way, and then I'm going to settle down and become an accountant. Um, um, the other thing, I think we actually know we'll we'll get a good sense of what the um, crack is with progress and the these the, uh, video on demand rules are uh, when it comes to their Sheffield show, because they're hyping up. Walter's going to have this massive opponent. They're scouring the world for somebody. Sounds like somebody from outside the current roster. And if they if they do the title switch then to a non WWE UK guy, I think mean, then you have to start to conclude that maybe there's something in this stuff about progress LAX not being able are to. Also on that show as well, aren't they? Mm. So mm. I think that's when it's all from evolve. So I think if if uh, Walter loses that match, that's when we have to start taking seriously the possibility that. Uh, WWE UK contracted talent may not be allowed on uh, progress on demand. And by the way, I um, come. I may, may may have said it to you, Martin. Like a lot of progress's problems have been caused by the fact that they didn't stop using British Strong Style for a period after um, uh, after last year's big show because their storyline in progress ended, and then he just 
stayed. Yeah. So there, there is, there is sometimes, you know, you, you have to let these guys go so you can bring them back later. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, Will, where do you see, obviously, just tying up last few bits about this, um, where do you see sort of like the British wrestling scene in the next six or seven months? Well, it's a weird one because, I mean, a lot of people say like, um, okay, we've had the boom and this is a bust now. But like as somebody in the Midlands, it felt like potentially last year was the boom. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Because you know you had um, you had you know you had uh, what culture spending loads of money on big big events. You had Lucha Forever spending money on getting like really deep cards. Um, you know one of the things uh, and like so and Bono, what culture is in a reduced form, but it's not what it was. Obviously, Lucha Forever imploded. Um, obviously, things like Five Star didn't take off. Um, so I think it's got kind of going to be as it is in the sense of you're going to have promotions doing their shows. Every, no, everyone's no longer going to be able to run on that kind of prime last payday of the month, uh, uh, weekend. Everyone's going to have to avoid that because WWE's got those, but actually it'll just, it'll be kind of be the same because a lot of these WEK guys, they either start people like Mark Andrews and flash, uh, Morgan Webster just so defined down. They don't really mean much in most promotions. All people like British Strong Style just haven't been used much. And it will just kind of carry on. And the question will be is what do WWE do? How do they sort their tapings out? If they get a winning formula, do they become more aggressive? I mean, one of the things like, I, I didn't realize this. It kind of completely escaped my notice. But when they're in the country, they do send their wrestlers to things like the Butlin shows. Now, if WWE really want to start attacking the grassroots, why not start aggressively bidding for the summer contracts with their WWE UK guys? You know, that if they really want to attack the grassroots, that's the type of thing they could do. And maybe it would give them something to do with all this talent they're amassing. Um, the other thing to say, like one thing I think is sometimes overlooked is how much American talent the British scene's lost over the past year. I mean, you particularly, you look at people like Keith, Keith Lee and Matt Riddle uh, and before that, Chris Hero, like these were people who were like really instrumental to like seeing getting hot, particularly for the bigger promotions. And I think that shouldn't be overlooked. And the fact that WWE are stockpiling so much American talent makes it even harder for your super indies, such as Rev Pro to get people to kind of compliment the new Japan, uh, uh, talent they use. I mean, Benno, we've also seen, I mean, we discussed on uh, a couple of shows, there seems to be an oversaturation of the market, doesn't there? Shows don't sell out as quickly as they used to. I mean, Red Pro, uh, I, I can't, have they had a sellout this year? It, it just seems like uh, more and more shows aren't as uh, full as they used to be maybe in 2017. Yeah, I think we're noticing something. And yeah, I think like Will said, I think maybe the early signs were probably 2017 and in hindsight. But we've definitely, these last few months, started to notice something. It's not just, you know, on a UK level, WWE coming over and doing SmackDown in the same venue where AJ Styles won the world title last year and, and barely half filling the place, um, doing house shows at the at Wembley Arena and, and not doing as well as progress at Wembley Arena. And, yeah, they say uh, RevPro having some issues shifting tickets, the Progress Monday show from this week, 
was a very slow one when normally, I know it was a Monday, but normally their shows sell out pretty much immediately. I think we're noticing some signs. I just think, yeah, there's so, so much product out there, not just in the UK, but but worldwide as well. Um, And I think, yeah, specifically in the UK, though, there's a lot of competition for your money and a lot of big shows. You know, I was... I'm the type of person who might have gone to to Rev Pro, gone to Uprising. It came, you know, quite short shortly after another big Rev show. It came around a time where there's progress shows that I'm going to, where there's NXT UK shows that I, I ended up going to as well. I just think there's a lot of competition for a, not a huge, huge fan base. I think the, the UK has always been a, a hot market for wrestling, but a lot of it's based on people like us a lot of smarter fans a lot of older fans a lot of people who are you know died in the wool wrestling fans and yeah our, our money only goes so far and i think that's going to be maybe a problem that happens next year again it'll depend on on you know what wwe do and i think part of that is part of the reason this new story has happened is wwe really realizing that themselves as well and yeah i mean if i if i was honest if i was wwe and i was running nxt uk I might say, yeah, well, if my attendances aren't quite where they are, maybe I should be pulling pulling these guys and just having them on my shows. That's kind of a, a critique I've had. What, why would I watch a bad Pete Dunn match on NXT UK when I could watch, well, not a bad Pete Dunn match, but, you know, a TV Pete Dunn match on NXT UK when I could watch him k- kill it somewhere else? And the same goes for a lot of that roster. Um, so I think maybe WWE are, are recognizing that as well and, and being careful to, yeah, maybe give people more reason to to check them out over the other talents and yeah i think that's kind of a big thing there that yeah the the pocket while there's a a lot of hardcore fans in the uk uh our pockets only run so far and yeah i think that's maybe i wouldn't say we're about to collapse and i would probably agree with will that we're probably going to see a similar year business-wise next year to this year but i I certainly don't see uh it growing in any way Uh, i don't see a boom coming uh, and yet if anything maybe the boom is, is, is coming gone well i mean wwe have been stop and start with this whole thing from the beginning haven't they and um, everything seemed to be in response to whatever itv were doing with world of sport i mean will do you think uh they're full steam ahead with this now yeah this is this is the thing i don't i don't get why they're bothering to run live shows in this country in terms of wwe uk like getting the guys stop piling the talent Playing favourites to the local promotion, so you have them on board and you can get their tape libraries. That all that all makes sense to me, but the actual wooden live shows just seems a big expense uh, given the returns you're always likely to get. Um, it reminds me a lot when you had the big Hatton uh, Kazagi. Uh, uh, crossover success in america you did have like golden boy kind of briefly sniff at doing stuff in britain you know they like they signed amir khan to a contract and stuff like this and then he quickly realized it wasn't worth it like you know get the talent but actually running shows here isn't cost effective because the way our market works and it's always worked with combat sports is you just run a lot of smaller shows and you rely on people being able to travel all over the country um to me, like, you know, we're going to talk about this in a minute, like the, the kind of the takeover followed by some TV tapings format makes an awful lot of sense. It's, it's a way to get um, to get the most people at for those those events. I I do struggle to see what the end game is for them, because 
you know, if you want to highlight British indie wrestling and you get the tiered subscription service, you're going to have progress in ICW. Mm. You know, okay, it's it to begin with, it was doing well on the network video on demand. But since they've gone to two a week, it's plummeted right down and it's doing barely better than 205 Live. Um, you know, to me, if, if I was them, I would just be stockpiling the talent, letting your friends use them. And then when someone gets really, really hot, you you bring them over to to the states, uh, maybe do the occasional takeover, but these the this monthly grind of these weekenders, mm. I, I don't entirely see what the point is. I I think it's just a work thing. I think it's it would like you say it would make say they had a TV deal over here, it would make all the sense in the world. But that they don't. I honestly just think it's they want to put the wrestlers to work because. If they're going to come up with these these daft rules, I mean, look at the the women's division. Look at a a Millie McKenzie, you know, or look at the next Millie McKenzie that NXT UK might sign. If, if they're not going to be able to work, you know, different places, you know, your likes of you know going over to Japan or working in the US for the women's promotions there as well. That's so important in in development of a wrestler. If you're taking that away, I suppose you have to replace it with something. But I'm not sure, you know, whether you would learn more doing the the NXT UK version of the Largo Loop um, than you would being on the outside as well. But I do think part of it's just it's justification of giving them work. I mean, they've all they all got those 20k downside deals that, and they've apparently I think some of the upper guys have got raises on that according to Dave Meltzer I don't know so much about the lower guys but I think yeah a lot of it's justifying giving them work to replace the work that they're going to lose and also just giving them giving I suppose justifying the the money that the minimal money that WWE is spending on them, but yeah, it doesn't. There, there are obviously, as you just said, will there's some maybe some better ways of, of going about it, but that seems to be somewhat their their warp logic. Yeah, I, and then, let's face it, we we both are sure that you don't you learn far more going all <laughs> over the world than doing the Florida loop. <laughs> yeah, so it is good for those. I mean, those uh, guys who are in over to Japan, like you, uh, so Chris Brooks and Jimmy Havocs have been announced for some other shows over there, so great for them as well, on top of doing that uh, Fight Club Pro show. But, I mean, uh, moving on to uh, TakeOver UK, I mean, that was the other big news coming out this weekend, that we're getting uh, the first ever NXT UK TakeOver uh, taking place in Blackpool on the 12th of January with a set of TV tapings the day after at the same venue. And, I mean, this sold out in a few hours. I mean, we know a few of the matches. There's going to be major spoilers for uh, NXT UK. If you're following along on the network, you might want to skip ahead about uh, five or ten minutes. But, um, I mean, Benno, you managed to make it over to the second day of the NXT UK tapings in uh, Liverpool. And, I mean, uh, how how was the show for you? I mean, this was the uh, last show before we got all this news this week. Yeah, uh, it was kind of the calm before the storm. Uh, yeah, it's not the type of thing I'd usually go to, uh, block TV tapings, but it did give me an idea of, I don't know, it, it really ties in well to this news story breaking just a, a couple of days later. Because, yeah, I mean, we've talked about the TVs, you know, watching them on the network and they've been solid hours of tv there's nothing you'd point out on those one hour tvs and go you're doing that desperately wrong you know we've we've said ourselves you know a lot of the problems that itv world of sport had nxt uk being ran by the wwe who are used to this and used to putting tv products t- together have, have fixed some of those problems and it's been solid but 
it's just not that interesting, is it? It's the it's the sixth brand of WWE, and you know, just being there live, a big part of it is kind of sitting there going, "What is this?" You know, if it's not really, it's I mean, again, if they're going to hoard the progress guys or they're going to hoard, you know, talent. I mean, what is NXT UK if it's not progress, but without all the good, you know, the the branding stuff that progress do so well, and the it's kind of progress without the the cool factor. Whether you agree or not, progress has got a cool factor. It's just very, it just felt. It just feels like very WWE bland wrestling. And I sat there for the three tapings. I enjoyed myself. There was a lot of throwaway TV matches on the on the shows. A lot of, you know, just quick matches, wild ball in and out. Uh, Johnny Saint doing announcements and, and screwing them up. Uh, lots of, you know, short, there was a short match with Isla Dawn and Zaya Brookside. You kind of got, you know, quick squashes with Jordan Devlin in there. And it was all, it all breezed past very, very quickly. And, you know, they, they were, we were going to talk in a second about what that card is for NXT TakeOver UK. And they, they did, you know, build that card reasonably well. Although I didn't walk out, you know, desperate to see, you know, a lot of the matches that they've got lined up. Um, it's all very functional if just not very exciting uh and i know a lot of it's by design i mean the only two matches in the tapings i won't give away the results but the two matches that i i really enjoyed were the two matches that were given you know time to breathe there was a grizzled young vets tag with mark andrews and flash morgan webster that was a lot of fun and there was a six-man match with british strong style against that weird group of wolfgang mark coffee and, and joe coffee uh that was very good as well and they were given time because they were main events and they were fun but the rest of it was just very very functional stuff and it did make me str- i mean joe mentioning that that joe coffee gang for me i just struggled to get excited about yeah they've got this big nxt takeover coming up and the focus of the tapings that i watched was building joe coffee and pete dunn and yeah, Joe Coffey's really good at wearing a, a smart coat and a smart polo and cutting a slow, plodding WWE heel promo, but am I really interested in seeing him and Pete Dunne at an NXT TakeOver? Does it line up with the US TakeOvers, you know, the, the massive reputation that they've got? Yeah, I just felt all uh, quite a bit nonplussed by it. And yeah, this uh, this, this new, again, while I, I, I didn't have a bad time at the shows, all this news as well just yeah maybe just feel yeah i'm not particularly excited about it as a brand and that's part of what makes it a bit uh difficult to take so much so much talent uh going away to nxt uk to to be within that system that's again not really the most exciting or compelling well let's jump into the card i mean obviously it's, uh... oh, can I, oh martin can i just make can i just make one quick point this is the thing i find really annoying about uh wwe getting like throwing the toys out of the pram because he only drew, what was it, like 800, 900 fans to pay money for these tapings. It's like, they give these to the Americans for free. <laughs> they can't charge people to come to the American equivalent. They do it on a university campus and they give the tickets away and there's times where they can't even sell out a free taping. This is the thing, like, I love NXT takeovers, although I wasn't a huge fan of the one just gone, but the TV taping is not interesting week to week. Everyone dips in and out of the key matches. Mm. And so, like, how are they getting annoyed that they managed to persuade almost a 1,000 people to pay, you know, what, 20, 25, 30 quid to come to some... the, uh, the tickets that we had. I didn't pay. I got a freebie, but, yeah, £35, pound, that's a big difference. 
to to, no, to 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 pay for something they give the Americans for free is nonsense. And also the other thing, right? Okay, this is not the first takeover in the UK. There was one in Wembley. That was you know the Samoa Joe Finn Balor one. It is not the first NXT UK live special because the the, the original championship tournament was shown live. Um, no, fair play for WWE UK branding, but it's just like, you know, why 2,000 people sold the house a show in two hours? That's headlined by Joe Coffey. I don't understand. <laughs> I think it's an but, event, isn't it? It's a, it's a, I think people like a big destination show. I think that's more what people have sold it on, or maybe they just didn't see the spoilers. Well, there is that. No. That's what I was going to say. Perhaps people are expecting they're going to get a uh, US version of TakeOver and they're going to see uh, the NXT UK guys mixing it with the American guys. That's what I thought, because perhaps not everyone's seen these spoilers. But anyway, let's get into the card. It's uh, We've got Eddie Dennis v. Day Mastiff in an ODQ match. We've got uh, NXT UK Tag Team Championship Grizzled Young Vets taking on Mustache Mountain. NXT UK Women's Championship, which uh, the finals airing on the network tonight, uh, the champion Ray Ripley taking on uh, Tony Storm, and then uh, Pete Dunne against Joe Coffey and uh, Travis Banks against Jordan Devlin. I mean, obviously Banks v Devlin is going to, you know, I, mm. that's one of the main reasons I want to watch this. That is going to be a fantastic match, isn't it? But I mean, as far as a, a show goes, that just looks like a sort of like a regular show you might see Progress put on. Will. I, I, I think, look, I know, I know we can all be harsh to progress sometimes, but I think they do better than that, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's not very good. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, you know, look, um, I love Mustache Mountain. I looked at that like Gibson. How many times have we seen Mustache Mountain versus Grizzled Young Vets? Uh, Grizzled, uh, Grizzled Young Vets this year. Um, so that's not new. Um, the 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 Tony Storm Ripley is a rematch of a match that is literally not is literally airing tonight in the WWE Network, um, so that's not new. Um, Eddie Dennis Dave Mastiff is a bizarre match because Eddie Dennis works. You know, if he's going to be a heel, and he seems to be a heel on WWE UK television, he's better off bullying bullying a small guy. I mean. Given how much time they invested in Mark Andrews um, last year, um, why not just do Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews on this show? I mean, it give him a chance to kind of make up for the disasters that fell him at Wembley. And then, yeah, you have the main event, which is just like, you know, you could have you could have brought in Adam Cole, you could have brought in Ricochet, you know, you you could have debuted Walter. You know, you think of the possibilities of who they could have had up against Pete Dunne, which, by the way, this will be his first live. His first singles match that has been shown live, other than the finals of the championship tournament. Um, no, that wasn't shown live either. So, yeah, this will be the first time he's had a live match in WWE Network since he won the title against Tyler Bate. Every other singles match he's had since has been has been pre-recorded. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I have no interest in this card other than Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks. That That should be great. I'm kind of like, yeah, I think that Devlin Banks is the match that 
stands out. And yeah. th- to be honest, being at the tapings, the build for that was was quite good. We had uh, again spoilers, Devlin coming out dressed up as Travis Banks in his in his New Zealand gear, and just that feels like a match where on a card that doesn't sound that exciting, I can almost picture you know I can picture John and Way talking about it, or I can picture you know other Canadians or Americans coming away blown away by these two wrestlers because I really think given the big occasion, given that, you know, people have sold it out, I think that they're going to... Live gonna on the bring, network as well. Live on the network. They're going to really bring the house down. Um, so that's 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 something to be excited about. But yeah, I, I agree with Will. I mean, I would have expected them to bring in some NXT proper guys. And if they didn't, I just, again, being at that Liverpool tape, and I can't understand if you've got Pete Dunne and you want to do a big title match, why is it not Zach Gibson? You could have built that through the Liverpool tapings. Why is it not Eddie Dennis? Eddie Dennis, even I've got every faith that Eddie Dennis could talk his way into a a big title match with Pete Dunne. Instead, he's wasting time with Dave Mastiff in a in a match that, let's be honest, wouldn't get on a US takeover. It wouldn't even get on the NXT tapings before it. It'd be lucky to be a dark match. It's just not an interesting match in in any way. I mean, I guess you know you guys will get to see how that TV plays out. And there's a there's a gap for me in the in the TV that I've not seen yet that. That again happened before the tapings that I went to. Maybe it'll pique my interest in a little bit. Maybe the the tag tournament will will grab me more. But yeah, it it's saying uh, I think they've set up the wrestlers, you know, not to fail. But NXT Takeover carries a lot of weight. That hasn't really been a bad NXT Takeover, and I don't think this will be bad. But they are some lofty, lofty expectations, and yeah. Maybe they should have called it something else. NXT Takeaway. That's a that's a very UK name. Maybe they could have gone with that or or something else. But yeah, I don't think the card is really befitting of of the name, uh, at least but, as it stands. But it's also like that thing. So it's like um, like I actually think the Coffees Wolfgang faction makes perfect sense. You know, they because they primarily work for ICW, they haven't interacted as much with British Strong Style, particularly over the past uh, past year, 18 months, when ICW's kind of withdrawn from the English market. Um, so, you know, you have some fresh matchups. And there's a lot of potential storylines there. So you know, if you want to go for the hard politics, you have the kind of Scots attacking the Brits and, you know, you link into Scottish nationalism and stuff like that. If you want to do the more wrestling side, you know, you just have these guys say, look, ICW, the Scottish scene was much, was bigger, was big before British Strong Style came around. These Midlands coming, Midlands coming, coming, uh, Johnny come late, Liz are taking all the credits. We were here first. Um, you know, there were ways you could have developed a storyline that would have been interesting. Um, but from what you've said, Benno, they've just they've just done usual WWE heel stick. Mm. Yeah, that's it. He, he's every WWE heel you've ever seen. Uh, again, I'm not a Joe Coffey fan going in. Maybe there's ICW fans who are screaming at their uh, at the phones right now, not happy that that I'm saying that about Joe Coffey. But yeah, he, he he's someone who I wasn't interested in before and being at these tapings, although. He was ticking every box. I bet the agents backstage were loving, you know, every every slow move he did in his suit and every every line that he spat out in that standard WWE style. But yeah, certainly didn't excite me. I mean, uh, moving away from the UK and onto uh, Ireland now. I mean, OTT held their redemption event on the 10th of November at the arena on Sir Road in Dublin. I mean, we were slightly behind on this event, but it was worth going over for the main event of the show, the continuation mm. of one of the best stories in European wrestling. I mean, 
Jordan Devlin team with David Starr to face the ring camp the duo of Walter and Tim Thatcher. And I mean, as always with these OTT shows, this had an incredible atmosphere. And so the first time Jordan Devlin was in the same ring with uh, Walter since losing the OTT title to him in a huge upset in August. I mean, this was another fantastic match that saw another twist in the Devlin-Walter saga as a... Devlin seemingly had the big Austrian beat only for his partner, David Starr, uh, to pull the referee out of the ring as he was making the count. And this then subsequently left Devlin open as Walter picked up another victory over him. And and quickly after uh, the event finished, OTT released a video of David Starr who said he'd been all over the world trying to beat Walter. Obviously, he's feeding into the story these two have had in WXW and... uh, and that he needs to be the one to finally beat Walter. And I mean, Benno, fantastic match, but another great element to uh, one of the best stories we've had in Euro Wrestling this year. And what's interesting, the fact that the original partner was supposed to be Will Ospreay with Devlin, and so it was great that we got David Starr in and then this uh, added element here. Yeah, I think either would have worked, and we were kind of saying on our last couple of shows that that's the perfect replacement, isn't it? Uh, And David Starr was so good in the match, too. I just think, yeah, I think the story here was as it was for those, you know, other two, you know, the the Walter Osprey match and the Walter Devlin match. It's the crowd reactions as much as the work in the ring. And it's, it's happening because of the work in the ring, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like to get you know, the OTT fan base is a very hardcore fan base, but to get them to believe in the way OTT and making them believe right now and getting them to just roar for David Starr to make a hot tag and to absolutely, you know, lose it in a in a more visceral, legitimate way than you kind of see in modern wrestling when Devlin is in there, you know, trying to go strike to strike with Walter. It's just, it's just a, a level of detail and a, a level of, storytelling and a level of manipulation i think of of emotion that you don't really see in in modern indie wrestling so much so yeah this was another one like you say to to add to the canon of incredible stuff and just that extra layer of storytelling when i first saw you know unfortunately watch this thing spoil but when the spoilers did start coming in the David Starr had attained on Devlin and pulled the referee out of the ring. As soon as I heard that, I thought, why didn't I think of that? Didn't see that coming, you know, before. Because it's such a a perfect idea, as you said, with David Starr having his his own frustrations with not being able to beat Walter, laying that out and making that part of this absolutely just beautiful wrestling story was just, yeah, another perfect note um, in one of the best stories in wrestling. And just, yeah, I just think... The, the work in the ring was incredible. Uh, they kind of gave you moments where Devlin was being, you know, the best babyface in the world. Uh, even even himself, you know, there was a layer of storytelling there where he was he was actually allowing David Starr to go for pinfalls on Walter. You know, hit his big handstands on Larius and assisted him hitting a German, and it all came back to cost him. When yeah, again, that just that perfect heartbreak moment when when David Starr turned on him, just the emotional storytelling here and the, the, the layers that were there and the just everyone in the crowd being so involved me watching it on vod a matter of weeks later i got pulled right into it again and your heart does sink you know when devlin again doesn't get to get that that pinfall victory on walter it just it makes me think yeah when they when they do put that match together and you know hopefully it'll be happening early in the new year and hopefully you know based on the rumors we've heard fingers crossed they will be able to do it when they do that big devil and walter singles match again i just i will as i've said on the show before be looking at the ryanair flights 
because that is something that I would love to be in the building for. And it's, again, the work of the men in the ring, those incredible OTT atmospheres and just the incredible storytelling by OTT that just, yeah, makes me want to do that and uh, and get over there. Because, yeah, this is, for me, the best story in wrestling in 2018. Well, that's the big thing now, isn't it? Because, obviously, we speculated loads on this show, so let's speculate again. I mean, uh, while signing with NXT UK in the grey area of whether we can see... NXT UK talent um, on on VOD. I mean, imagine if it's just for the house. Imagine. I know. I mean, it seems the OTT could have carried this on for a few more months, couldn't they? I mean, uh, obviously going down the route of uh, Devlin having to deal with David Starr before the big rematch uh, with Walter. I mean, but do you think uh, we'll get this uh, rematch with Walter Rush now, or do you think uh, we can still see this play out over a, a few more months? I think they've got a show advertised. I think it's January and there's a cage in the background of the the advertisement that makes me think that's the destination. That's where we, where we were going anyway. So I don't know. I mean, I suppose they, they, they've still got a, a devil and star match to do. Uh, so you could delay it that way, but I don't think it would have been gone on too long. I think it was going to happen, but yeah, as I, as I alluded to, then imagine that if it does turn out that it's they, they can do the match, but it's not on the VOD, and then we will literally probably all three of us be booking our Ryanair flights and going out there because <laughs> yes. that would if if you actually you know if you want a positive of this whole WWE thing, that could fill a stadium easily uh, if, if people had no other way to watch this thing finally pay off. Um, so yeah, I, I think they probably have plans for it to be early in the year anyway. Maybe it could get rushed along a little bit, but yeah, January, February probably would have made sense for me too. Because as hot as it is, you don't want to you know leave it too long. Like uh, like Progress <laughs> found out with Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. Can I um my uh, I don't know what you guys think. So my controversial take on this um has been um I still he's not doesn't closely follow OTT, but has been following what they've been doing with Jordan Devlin is um that you don't have Devlin be the person to beat Walter for the title. And instead you use that to create the new Devlin. So, you know, I know someone like Scotty Davis, one of the young Irish guys, they're the person to actually beat Walter for the champion. And then you have somebody who's your guy, you don't have the, the complicated politics of WUK. And then you have two big Irish superstars that maybe ultimately you try and match up against each other. Do, do you think the OTT fans would not tolerate anybody other than Devlin uh, beat it, being the one to beat Walter? No, it has to be. It has to be Devlin, doesn't it? <laughs> I, th- I think there's possible that that was going to be a possibility, but maybe that gives strength to what you're saying there, Martin. Have they got the time to do that? Will they have the time with Walter to do that? But I could see getting away with it, um, but maybe not now. Maybe they'll just, that is one thing they'll be they'll be forced to do is just go with Devlin for, for the immediacy of it. Yeah, I mean, Will, have you followed OTT much this year and uh, this storyline with Devlin and Walter? Well, the thing is, is what, I've, what happened, I don't I don't tend to watch many many indies by uh, video on demand because it, it doesn't tend to hold up as much and I'd rather watch live wrestling. And every time they have a match where I'm like, okay, I need to watch this match. I need to go and get the OTT uh, subscription service. They release it on YouTube. And so I end up <laughs> watching it on YouTube. And I love it. Like, what they're doing with Walter is fantastic. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, Walter is a big, scary German. Um... The, the type of thing that maybe at one point you'd have done in Britain, but I think everyone's too sensitive to do it. No, but 
for worthwhile reasons due to political situation here. And so the Irish are just going full bore with, you know, Churchill quotes, references to Frank Bruno, Walter addressing banks of soldiers, and then you have brilliant baby faces, great matches, great atmosphere. Yeah, it's it's really good stuff. And I and I haven't seen the match, but I saw stars. I saw the kind of promo packages before and afterwards, and it's just really good stuff. I mean, one of the really cool things about it is is the pre-match uh, video package. They had Devlin talk how he 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 never wanted Will Ospreay to be his partner. He only ever wanted David Starr. He he wants his best friend to be by his side when he beats beats Walter. And then David Starr's interview, where he explains why he did it and how it's a favor for Devlin. Um, it is brilliant too. Um, so yeah, no, it's just, yeah. And as you said, like I, 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 I definitely want to go over to Ireland next year and just experience it. Cause it just, it definitely seems something special. Yeah, definitely. I think we're all in, we're all in that category, especially for possibly the rematch. And, um, I mean, moving back to the UK here, Pro Wrestling Eve, the all-female group held their second annual She One event. Four shows over two days on the 10th and 11th of November at the Resistance Gallery in Bethnal Green, London. I mean, this hasn't dropped on VOD yet. I, I saw most of last year's featured a great Kayla Ravey, Charlie Morgan semi-final match. And, uh, but, Will, you attended this one live. I mean, uh, in a nutshell, how was how was the whole weekend for you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'd been to Wrestle Queendom, but it's the first time I'd actually gone to Resistance Gallery. And, uh, um, and I, I thought it was great. I mean, one of the things that I hadn't realised was just how much good comedy there was in, in Eve, um, particularly in a resistance gallery where because everyone's so close, you can you really can hear what the performers are saying. So so somebody like Jetta, so they, there was a Jetta Tony Storm match where the they both dressed as the, uh, as the other person, which you know classic I am um, joke uh, staple but they actually worked it really well and then you but then you have people like uh, Chris Wolf a very sticky wrestler who's having to wrestle in front of the same audience four times and she did a really good job of um, of keeping it fresh and, and and it not and it not getting played out which is is difficult to do um highlights you know the Kaylee Ray Charlie Morgan match was really good um spoilers those haven't seen it yeah Nina, Nina Samuels cashes in uh Seth Wallen style and wins the title um that was really you no know, really fun match uh she won um again really fun a, a really fun final uh with Jamie Hater winning <clears throat> Um, um, again, no, no, really good stuff. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. And one of the people who really impressed who they brought over was someone from Australia called Madison Eagles, um, which is a really good, you know, sh- you know, kind of like strong style uh, woman wrestler. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I liked throughout the weekend is one of the things with women's UFC is the grappling's better because women are more flexible than the the average woman is more flexible than the average man. And that very rarely comes into uh, women's pro wrestling. But here it did. Like there was a lot of cool submissions that you you very rarely see in male pro wrestling. Um, So yeah, I thought it was great. It was really good atmosphere. I enjoyed the four four shows and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do, um, do next. 
Well, yeah, obviously this is one of their big tentpole events, isn't it? They obviously had the Wrestle Queendom uh, show at York Hall, which me and Benno watched. Uh, quite enjoyed that one. I mean, Benno, are you, are you tempted to watch these She Won shows, or uh, is One Eve show enough for you for a year? No, I'm definitely interested. Um, again, the, the discussion at the top of the show is going to bleed into everything we say here today, isn't it? But yeah. Eve, Eve is a company who uh, I think are very important in the development of women's talent. And I think the women who get snapped up by NXT UK are probably going to miss being able to work the Eve shows. So, yeah, I certainly recognise how, how important it is in UK canon. And, yeah, the, the She One's been was something that definitely did pique my interest. Uh, is it out on VOD yet, or is it is it one of those slow releases that they've yeah, uh, they, been going for? Yeah, so, this uh, is the problem, isn't it? Because any time my interest gets piqued, and that does, you know, listening to Will there, it, it sounds like a a live experience that that's worth getting to and I'll hear reports like that and then yeah like you say the VOD just takes so long to to get online that yeah some of my enthusiasm wanes although you know the live elements of uh, of when they did try and do it earlier in the year uh, some of that went wrong anyway so maybe that's not the the ideal solution anyway uh, but it's, yeah um, it's interesting with Wrestle Greendom because they've announced it for your call but because of a lack of availability for your call they've had to uh go head to head with progress so oh, not wow. not like not like last year where it was the same day but straight after super strong style it was like this is wasn't the last time yeah yeah so this is exactly the same time i mean i think this starts an hour before but you know they are they are competing head to head so it'll be interesting to see how they um ha- how they draw um um i'm just having a look it is i think it is on on demand now so it's just it's just it's it's up now, oh, but uh, but uh, yeah. So that I think that's going to be interesting how how that all plays out. Well, yeah, it's um, and Jamie Hayt is uh, quite an interesting because obviously we've been known the fact that oh, there's all these uh, NXT UK uh, female talent that maybe maybe might not be able to work places like Eve anymore. But great to see someone like Jamie Hayt. Obviously, she's the Red Pro Women's Champion. She's uh, doing a lot of great things in Eve. She's been uh, on extensive tours of Japan, and she's someone who uh, it's great to see her being showcased here, Will. Yeah, no, I mean, I was really impressed with her. Like, she's a natural heel. Um, I said, um, for those who have not been to Resistance Gallery, it's it's um, it's not in the round, like the ring's shoved into one corner because it's so small, and it only has one door. So all all the rest, all the crew and all the wrestlers have to use the same door as the fans. And there was, what, there was like, one security, there was one, like, crew member who was, like, her biggest fan, uh, and everybody else was booing her, but yeah, no, she was really impressive, like really, you no, know, really strong character, you know, typical like kind of like bitch heel, but you no, know, good stuff. And I again, like, you know, what, we're going to talk about the Ref Pro Women's Tournament uh, shortly, but like if if they do get Kaylee Ray in for more dates, uh, I think her versus Kaylee Ray could easily put in your call and not seem out of place. Well, um, well, definitely, and Kayla Ray and Viper are other names that um, you know can obviously take advantage of the fact that uh, they haven't got an XC UK contract. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with those uh, three in 2019. And uh, just as we before we head out of here, I mean, there are a number of big shows coming up in December. Uh, ICW are holding their annual Fear and Loathing event this weekend on the 2nd of December. I mean, 
this is the company's big event of the year, usually in November, move to December this time around. And this will be the third time ICW have run the 13,000 capacity venue. I mean, first time around they drew around 6,000 people. Last year saw a number drop to around 4,000. And um, just before we get into your guys' thoughts, I mean, uh, the full card's obviously out. We've got... Uh, Jackie Palo, who's the ICW champion, taking on Lionheart. We've got Viper taking on Kaylee Ray. Mark Coffey against his brother Joe Coffey. Kinky Party team of Jack Jester and Shaw Samuels against Bram and Yestin Reese. POC, Rampage Brown, Ashton Smith uh, against the Briscoe brothers. Uh, and then against four more teams, undetermined yet. That's going to be a six-team TLC match. Uh, we've got the six-man tag, British Strong Style taking on Gnome Dar, Wolfgang and BT Gun. Joe Hendry against Mikey Whiplash. Uh, and then James Storm taking on Grado with the, ad- with the added bonus of Jeff Jarrett as the uh, special guest referee. And <laughs> Benno, I mean, you were just telling me off air you didn't even realise that it was this weekend. I mean, I don't, I don't know how, how much that tells you that ICW sort of really felt fallen off, um, uh, well, in our bubble especially. Did anybody know outside of Scotland? I mean, yeah, it's just... I, I, I mean... Again, we talked off air. I think, you know, Will, you said that, you know, this could be the last time they run the Hydro for all we know, because it doesn't feel like it's a big show. But, you know, maybe, you know, people are still going to come out in numbers. Uh, The last couple of times they've done that show, I've known people who've traveled up this time. I've not heard a peep. Maybe maybe that's just my bubble. Maybe Jeff Jarrett being on the show, he gets everywhere, doesn't he? Maybe him being on the show will pique some people's interest and get them out there. Um, Briscoe Brothers, interestingly, I had no idea they were on the card until we started doing our prep for for this episode today. Yeah, it's just, I think it's, I mean, I can plain say it's a bad product. Uh, You can say that's in my opinion, but I don't think ICW has ever been good. Uh, Even when it was allegedly good, I don't think it was good. I just think it's uh, the car crash attitude era stylings and the endless stable wars have, have never been for me. And people have heard me rant about that on this show before, so I won't do it again. Um, I'm sure the people who go will have a, a great time live. But yeah, certainly, you know, the people that in my bubble and the people I speak to and the people I interact with online, I, I don't hear any buzz for this show. Um, and it'll be, in- I mean, it's something... Uh, it's a, it's one of the biggest shows of the year, allegedly. So I will watch it. Interested to see how the Briscoe brothers do. Mark Coffee versus Joe Coffee is an interesting kind of juxtaposition of what's happening in NXT UK. And, you know, there's a few ITV slash TNA guys still on their shows. You know, Grado being there, Joe Hendry being there still. Um, there's some weird kind of, maybe this is the last time a couple of, those names uh, might be on ICW shows going forward, so maybe it's worth checking out for that reason. But yeah, when the the first, I mean, the most I've thought about it is when they announced that Noam Dar was coming back, and it was like, yeah, not particularly excited by that. Mm. They've they've do, they've gone to that well before. Going to it again in a in a six man against British Strong Style again doesn't excite me a huge amount, but it is a British Strong Style six man. They usually on for those things so i could imagine that being a a solid match but yeah something that this show completely for one of the you know possibly one of the bigger attendances of the year this completely slipped off my radar so it's going to be interesting to see what the the actual show looks like and yeah what the the attendance looks like uh especially coming this late in the year i mean there's no way they're going to do the six thousand that they did uh, a couple of years back is there will uh, no, uh, I think we can safely say that. I mean, to, to be fair to ICW, the reason why they're stuck uh, 
running this huge venue is not because they're egomaniacs, but that, that may be true. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's because there's no mid-sized venue um, in Glasgow. It's like, it's either this or like something really tiny. Um, the I think this, the striking thing is there's no, I mean, you've got Jeff Jarrett, but they used him in the summer when they brought Grado back. Um, there's no like American legend that they're using to kind of uh, goose like the gate like they usually do. Yeah, like the Kurt Angle, the Dudleys, Kevin Ash. I mean, that was pre- I think that was previously Mick Foley. So, like, you know, like that's that's weird. Um, if that's you know, is that because there's restrictions? Is it because they don't think they sell enough tickets to justify the expense? Um, do they just really like Jeff Jarrett? You know, these are all questions we need answered. Um, in terms of the card, um, yeah, there's there's nothing in there that's of any interest. And I think it's because you know ICW is a very insular product and it's it's there for icw fans which is fine you know you know it's good to have diversity Mm. but the thing i think they use to get those traveling fans who weren't kind of totally up to date with icw would be to kind of throw in a oh we've got kurt angle oh we've got the dudleys oh we've got no like you'd get something that you'd want to see even if you don't follow icw particularly closely and they Mm -hmm. you know british strong side are great but i don't need to travel to uh, glasgow to see him in a trios match yeah, that's really true. And what's interesting for me about it, there, um, where's Kenny Williams on this card? Mm. He, yeah. He's surely one of the sort of like main standout stars from ICW, and certainly <laughs> someone who should be getting her around a lot. But he doesn't seem. I think to tag ladder match screams him. I think that tag ladder match screams him. Surely he's got to be involved there. Yeah, yeah, you would have thought so. But, um, yeah, I think there'll be some uh, decent wrestling on this card, but it's like, you know, there, Will, there's nothing that really jumps out at you as being anything spectacular they need to go out of your way to see. And um, and I'm, I'm cer- certainly not disappointed they haven't brought in a Mick Foley or uh, Kevin Nash this time around. That made me groan last time. So it's good <laughs> to see that they are just relying on their own... Uh, their own guys this time around. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see this show when it, it does land on demand. It's always a show that I watch every year, uh, sort of like with dwindling uh, interest. And, I mean, you you brought it up then, Will. Uh, Red Pro have announced that they're going to be doing their Queen of the Ring tournament next year. And the first entrant, were, I've got to confess, and never heard of before was someone called you that they're bringing in from Japan, someone quite different here, Will. Yes, I've never heard of her either. And I, she's doing a big swing of various different promotions. Uh, so I wonder how much it's they're bringing her in and more she's around and she, um, she, she, she it kind of worked out for them. The one I, I'm most excited about is the fact they've got Kaylee Ray because I'm working on a feature for Fighter Magazine about She Won. And part of that was going to be bemoaning the fact that Viper and Kaylee Ray, despite being really good, despite having exposure on World of Sport, um, don't get any book don't get any bookings in England outside a few um, exceptions. And so the fact that they're bringing her in, because I think you know she potentially could be um, a real asset on those your call shows if if they get the dates for her, because you know she, when she was doing more English dates. Um, in 2017, like she she was kind of a, a, a staple. I, when I started going to Fight Club Pro, she was like a big part of their shows. So I I, I would be quite excited to see what Kaylee Ray could do in uh in Rev Pro. Yeah, and of course, if an 
So go on. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, they've seemed to have announced um, a very different lineup. It's not your usual names. They're bringing in uh, Kellyanne from Australia, and then uh, Zan Phoenix as well is someone who's not uh, who's not really uh, showcased that many places. So it's it's interesting to see that they're going with a, a completely different lineup and not using uh, usual names, which is something mm. different. So be interesting to see what they do with this tournament. I think. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm I'm. I, it's one of these things. One of the great things about. Uh, uh, following pro wrestling in Britain, you you learn how the trains work, and I realise actually that where the cockpit is, it's really easy to get to from the Midlands. If you just go to Birmingham and go via Moor Street, because you you get in right next to it for like twenty quid return. So uh, I'd I'd already earmarked these to go to, but uh, uh, Kaylee uh, Ray being added to the shows, and then the uh, Saber Pack match being added. I think this is going to be a pretty good start for the year for Ref Pro. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's something they, they definitely have to do, I think, because I think whether it's right or wrong, RevPro not really having much of a women's di- division has been something that's kind of attracted criticism. Uh, I think a big reason of it is that they, you know, they wanted to build around Ginny and they lost Ginny. So I think the reason, yeah, you know, you mentioned there, Martin, they're bringing in names from all over and names you might not expect is uh, there isn't a huge amount else you can do. Um, and if you're going to do it, maybe that's the right way to do it. Uh, I'd almost like to see RevPro partner with Eve. I don't know whether politically that is possible or not. I think they um, tried it before, didn't they? They had, uh, mm. I think there were some of the earlier cockpit shows where uh, I think they had uh, a match for the Eve Championship. So obviously it didn't mm-hmm. work out for either parties. Suppose not. I mean, but I, that's something I'd revisit personally because I think yeah, you're going to need allies in this uh, in this new Brit Res landscape that we've got today. But yeah, it's it's something different, and yeah, it, it gives maybe it might attract uh, some fans that might not otherwise uh, travel down to Rev Pro. So certainly I, worth doing. I think one of the issues you have with Eve is you don't realise because so many of, so many of these of their so, so so many of them aren't being used very much in WWE UK TV, but they actually have a lot of people who are actually WWE UK contracted. So like, like apparently Nina Samuels has a WWE contract. She's in the, she was in the tournament. I completely forgotten that. <laughs> obviously Millie McKenzie is, at least Tony Storm is. So obviously Ginny is. So I'd imagine Eve are desperately staying away from Rev Pro and just hoping WWE UK <laughs> thinks, okay, they're the women's promotion. They're developing our talent. We, 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 we will, we will leave, we'll leave them well alone. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I think um, I, I to be fair, I think JB Hater is a much better champion than Ginny would have been. Um, so I, I think uh, they, I think they have something there, and I think Kaylee Ray and her could be could be a pretty good feud. I mean, uh, moving to your neck of the woods, just before we get out of here, uh, will Fight Club Pro have a show coming up this weekend? Don't they at the Starworks Warehouse in Wolverhampton, uh, featuring Japanese? Hardcore legend Masato Tanaka. I mean, that's uh, they should be interesting seeing what Tanaka's like these days. Yeah, no, it's not in the Starworks anymore. They've moved house, so it's uh, in the hangar. So uh, no, but they've got their uh, Fight Club 100, which we have no matches announced for. It's just going to be a celebration. Um, I think the interesting thing with that will be is do they they've been building to a Mecha Satomura Walter match, and do they rush that there because he he's gonna. Uh, be going to WWE UK on the 1st of January and there's rumours about intergender matches being banned by WWE UK um, but we then have on the Saturday a what is a Fight Club Pro show where it's been promoted as being presented by their Scheidenfreude 
staple led by uh, stable led by Chris Brooks. So Fink sold out 97. Yeah. And that's got the World Tour Tanaka match, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I keep I keep like explaining to other people. It's amazing he's still alive. <laughs> Let alone <laughs> he is someone, isn't he? Yeah, if someone said to you that he was dead, you go, "Oh, did he? When did he die?" You just believe it. Like, you're like, like you, you can't even explain to me. Like he throw. He used he used to take the hardest chair shots in pro wrestling to the head in ECW, and yet he's still alive in wrestling. But the people throwing the chairs, they're the ones who have died. It's like how did that that makes no sense. So yeah, no, so I'm really looking forward to that. He had some great matches. And the last time I haven't seen him wrestle in years, but I, I saw him a couple of years ago when he was still doing stuff in New Japan. And he was not bad actually. He was he was still all right. So that that could be quite fun. Um and you also have Satamora Davis. Um, so we get to see Mark Davis, a psycho heel. Um, which is always fun. And Satamore is just great. You know, she's yeah, a fantastic match against Fletcher back in September. And we also have Mustache Mountain versus the Hunter Brothers, which um, I've seen some pushback from the Hunter Brothers because their match against Hours of Hungary on Ref Pro TV wasn't brilliant. I think that was because Hours of Hungary wanted to wrestle quite a slow style. Mm. And the Hunter Brothers are nothing if not indie terrific. And they like to do very fast, spotty matches. And I actually think Mustache Mountain Hunter Brothers could be could be a lot of fun because I mean they they had one a while back. Oh, sorry, it's not Mustache Mountain Hunter Brothers. It's Jonathan Gresham and Chris Brooks, and I think that could be an awful lot of fun because Gresham and Brooks do fantastic matches against against pretty much anybody, and the Hunter Brothers are more. I think they're more than able to keep up with them. Um, I mean, Brooks and Gresham are a really weird one because they, they've. They've tagged about 11 times. This this would be their 11th or 12th match this year. But I really think they should be in the shower for Tag Team of the Year on the strength of those matches. Because every time they tag, they're just gold. Yeah, they're certainly my favorite incarnation of CCK. Definitely uh, those two. They're kind of like the original CCK, aren't they? And I mean, Benno, uh, Fight Club have been a bit up and down this year, but uh, surely bringing in uh, Tanaka and, and those matches that Will mentioned there uh, mm. certainly piqued my interest for these cards this weekend. Tanaka Walters got me tempted. I've already talked with one of my mates about going down. I, I, don't, I haven't decided yet, but I, uh, it's weird for me that, that that's the of the two shows. You know, Fight Club Pro have kind of leaned into the meme and, you know, Chris Brooks and his heel stable making fun of Fight Club Pro for not announcing any shows for their show. And then the heel stable have actually announced all of their matches. It's well, a bit weird the, that that's, that thing's not re- sold out. Yeah, the reason is, yeah, because it's not sold out. I think, I mean, there's two things. I think, one, the Saturday shows tend not to sell, out, sell as well as the Friday night show. So when they did Project Mayhem, mm. the second night of Project Mayhem didn't sell out um, until, like, a bit later. Mm. Um, the second thing is, I do think some of, the, some of the fan base aren't entirely sure whether it's a Fight Club Pro show. Uh, and to be fair, you know, Chris Brooks does kind of have no, he has the Tuesday night raps he does up in Manchester. Um, so it, I, the one thing I find surprising about that is it's a 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. show. So you'd mm, think for traveling right. fans, it's it's better because you'd be able to get back. That's what tempts me. But yeah, to your point, I, I had a little look around to see if I could get tickets. And obviously, to keep the gimmick up, they don't advertise the tickets on the Fight Club Pro website. I couldn't find it via Google. And I had to find it via looking up the, the Twitter hashtag. Maybe that's affecting sales in some way. But I love the irony of them going to those lengths 
But then apparently when you do buy a ticket, your PayPal receipt says that the money goes to Martin Zaki. So they haven't gone far <laughs> enough for, for my liking, but at least they're trying. But maybe, yeah, the, the, the hidden nature of the show is maybe a, a reason as well. Yeah. I mean, it must be like, um, um, as I go to all, all, the, all the shows in Wolverhampton, then like the, the show them for the storyline that they kind of kicked off in May, like that really has been a kind of answer to the critics. They don't do long-term storyline. And, Whereas last year when they put the title on Brooks, Brooks couldn't quite handle it as a singles uh, headliner. Agreed. He's really he's really brought it as a as a promo and leader of this faction, and it, and it's been really good stuff. It's been a really good storyline. Yeah, they kind of do different things with the uh, the sort of wrestlers you see all over the UK, aren't they? But they kind of try and do uh, slightly different things with them in Fight Club Pro. So yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see these. Uh, two shows back-to-back, especially when they hit the VOD or if you go there live, Benno. And, uh, yeah, just where we head out of here, um, thanks, everyone, for listening this week. And um, you can head over to forum.postwrestling.com, uh, leave your feedback for the show. And, uh, Will, uh, what have you got coming up and how can people uh, find out more things that you've got going on? So you can find me on Twitter at Will Calling, uh, right, for Fire Spirit Magazine. Uh, the new uh, issue is out now um, on pocketmags.com slash FSM. And that has features by me on my trip to WXW for World Tag League and also um, why WWE should bring back SummerSlam, should bring a super show back to Wembley Stadium. I also do my own podcast called It Could Be Wrestling. And I also do a Fight Club Pro podcast called First Pod of Fight Club Pro. Fantastic. And um, I mean, Benno, you're uh, a stable mate at FSM now with uh, Will. That's it. Glad to be on the team. Yeah, if you grab that copy of FSM, you can see my profile on Matt Brooks, who does a, an opera gimmick up in the Northwest. Um, really good talent. Definitely one to watch. So yeah, you can check that out there as well as uh, the heavy duty stuff from Will. And also ben, Benno's, Benno's the uh, new FSM Northern correspondent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> also, you did um, a cracking show on the Indie Corner this week uh, with a lot of uh, soap references. That's kind of what we do. We do on the Indie Corner now. We're very much an EastEnders, Brookside, Coronation Street catch-all podcast. But yeah, if you want uh, more extended thoughts from me on matters from the whole world of wrestling as well as Brit Res, uh, check out yeah theindiecorner.com for our, our spotlight podcast. Uh, good plug there. And uh, yeah, just before we head out of here, I just wanted to say uh, we didn't really get a chance to chat about it at the start. We just want to say a huge thanks to John and Way for having me over at Post Office West for their live Google Hangout. I had a great time doing that, and also. Braden and Davey Portman from Up Next. I mean, they invited me over and my wife as well to the BDE to watch Survivor Series. I I mean, I had a fantastic night. I mean, even if I did pick up a cold from the haunted chair, I'll, I'll just get, get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Braden, but Dave said that it is because I sat in the haunted chair. So uh, I guess <laughs> I might need to see an exit before I go to their house last time. But yeah. <laughs> Fantastic time in Toronto and definitely uh, recommend uh, visiting to anyone who's uh, not been over there. So, yeah, like I said earlier, Post Wrestling Forum, leave your feedback for this week's show. And uh, we'll be back on the 12th of December with all the latest from European wrestling. <laughs>